0: He comes in on the right half-forward, plank of the fist, market in from 50, puts an on sway, he yeah, West Coast, 8-11, can 7 Can you come and have a go then? The ball to the half-forward line and here come Carlton. Came out to wait. Waite said wait. got it up to the-
1: Alright, if there was ever a guest who needed no introduction, this would be it, but I'm giving him one anyway. This man is without a doubt the most entertaining broadcaster the game of Australian rules football has ever seen. He played over 200 games with Richmond, Geelong and St Kilda, winning two premierships for the Mighty Tigers in 69 and 73. As one of the biggest names in Australian media, he entertained us all with his fascinating fishing shows, sensational sports programs and top class commentary. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rex Hunt and you're not. Welcome, Rexy.
0: Are talking about me?
1: Yep, the one and only.
0: Well, I know that because a bloke down the beach this morning said, did you used to be Rex Hunt? <laughs> and uh, I thought I'm in all all sorts of trouble. Now, the one thing that I'm disappointed in my 72nd year on the planet mm-hmm. is that I, I, I find it hard to retain people's name. What's your name? Jimmy. <laughs> Never heard of you. Get on with it.
1: <laughs> right, thanks for coming on, mate. Firstly, I wanted to ask you, because I do care how you how you are, how's the hip? Rexy,
0: now uh, the hip's magnificent the mind's getting better and, and, and during this particular podcast there'll be things that people think i'm lighthearted, but also the smarties will know that i'm being very very serious i was heading for a one-way ticket to the tobin brothers because of pain uh five years ago i had my back operated on and uh i fused uh the four and five vertebrae two years ago i had my neck operated on after a after I got hooked on Opoids, which your listeners would realise are serious painkillers almost to the amphetamine stage. Mm-hmm. And nine weeks ago, I had my hip replaced uh, and part of my fever, uh, femur heading down to my knee. And uh, finally, they found out what was wrong with me. And uh, I'm pain-free. Good. Uh, but my mind's better. I, I haven't had an aspirin for six weeks. That's the good news, Jimmy.
1: I'm glad to hear that your hip's well. And- yeah. Um, just this morning, actually, I was listening to some of your, your brilliant commentary, um, your work from back in the day, and it took me back to the car rides with my dad, um, listening to you on the, on the way home, taking the long way home just to hear you call the game. It's funny how you, really? you hear things and you eat things or you watch things and it takes you back to your childhood. Is there something that takes you back to your, your, your days growing up as a lad in Mentone?
0: No doubt. Um, You know, it started off very uh, slowly for me in my birth and then it completely slackened off because when I was born, they slapped my mother. The problem is, is then I was uh, born with an inferiority complex and people say, oh, bulldust. But I can tell you now I had a brother who was a star in cricket and football, a brother who was a star as a Ducks at Mordialic High School and I was a little kid with a runny nose running around trying to get a few crumbs. Mm. But I had what he didn't have. I had passion. I had absolute love for the sport of cricket and footy And I dreamed that one day I would play footy, but it wasn't what you think because I knew that I would never be good enough to go to university and get a uh, a piece of paper that gave me the qualifications to be a radio announcer. Uh, It was the fact that I believed that if I played league football, then I could be like Jack Dyer or Ted Whitten, uh, certainly not in their playing days, but in the broadcasting days. Mm-hmm. and uh, I used to listen to Jack Dyer and Ian Major and, and Jack you know, came up with great sayings like it's no good being where the ball ain't and uh, you know it's bigger than the black hole of Dakota and all that sort of stuff but what he had was 300 games and two premierships for Richmond well I didn't quite get there I got 200 games with three clubs and two premierships and the thing about it is I met a guy called Harry Beitzel mm-hmm. and uh, I said I'd love to give it a go and he said when you retire son uh, give us a call, and uh, we'll have a talk to you at Three AW, and the rest is history. My first broadcast on fishing in 1976, which is a long, long time. Uh, Jimmy, how long's 1976 ago? Uh,
1: My maths is shocking. It's a long time ago.
0: So what happens is that Keith McGowan, who was a legend of the radio industry, used to work for a crowd called Three MP Bay City Radio, mm-hmm. and I was a copper at the time, and uh, I was being shot at and going to car accidents and. Uh, booking people and, and everything I did involved people's misfortune and I got sick of it and uh, I just started to write for fishing magazines and sell a bit of fishing tackle on the side out of my garage. Uh, Keith McGowan asked me to come on during the summer on his uh, radio program in the morning and then he was number one and the number two in uh, Australia was a 3UZ called Bert Newton who's an absolute star and that was the first time I was on live radio and I just loved it. And at 28 years of age, I'd kicked three goals against Carlton, who went on to win the flag in 1978. I just thought, will I make a fool of myself and get told to leave or just will I give it away at 29 years of age? And I did. Uh, And I went to 3OW, and uh, I suppose, as they say in show
2: business,
1: the rest is history. The rest is history. Just before the the broadcast, though, I just wanted to ask you about those two premierships. So how was that for you personally, 69 and 73? Are they still the, the biggest highlights you look back on?
0: No doubt, because I look at the premiership medallions this morning when I get back from my walk and go up and check my email. Mm. And i just tell you what people have got to look forward to when they're 71 like I am there, Jimmy, is that I wonder how many people out there listening can say when they send an email, they send it to themselves. And I've been doing that for 10 years, mate, and I've got no idea, so I had to ring my daughter or my granddaughter. But up there, I'm overlooking the bay and just say, what a beautiful day, I wish I could go out fishing, but Mr Andrews says I can't. Mm thing about it is I look at those two premiership medallions and then I look at my house and I just think, well, there's a house is what it's all about because it's a home. But those premiership medallions saved for three years ago when we hadn't won a flag since 1980. That's right. They were just absolutely priceless. But now the group at the Richmond Football Club have got in their minds that um, they're only going to pass by Punt Road once, so make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm fortunate... uh, you know, people say, "Oh, who do you, Barry?" For who do you so, Of course, it's Richmond. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, it's where I got my start. So, '69, I kicked 55 goals for the year. I lost my form and got injured towards the finals. Got back, couldn't get back. It was fan men, uh, but did all right. But 55 goals for the year, I'm very, very happy. And yeah. uh, Royce Hart kicked 50, so nothing's changed today. If you've got two blokes kicking 50 goals each, you're almost in the grand final. That's right. And uh, the '73 was was another a totally different uh, type of, you know, kettle of fish. Mm. But in 72, I was talking to Roy Sard the other day across the Bass Strait, and he uh, reminded me that uh, who else in the history of the game has kicked 22 goals and got done in the grand final? Well, no one. Mm. We kicked 22 goals on that day against Carp, making 28-9. And it was one of those days that you just couldn't you just couldn't do anything. You know, the, uh, Wolves, uh, Robert Walls was telling me the other night that you know, even when he was absolutely you know, spent with no uh, energy left, the ball would just drop into his arms.
2: Mm.
0: And I uh, played on Robert for a while and I, I played down forward and kicked a goal, you know, in the second second quarter trying to get us going. But then in 1973, there was no one who could beat the Richmond Football Club. And I'll tell you why, Jimmy, and your listeners. Yeah. is because we made a pact that after the grand final on 1972, we were so disappointed and distraught that we made a pact, the, the 36 blokes on the list, that we would not rest until we got that premiership back. And history shows we've got it back in Spades in 1973. I played on a bloke called John Nichols, and was fortunate enough to keep him to one goal. So it just goes to show that, that, that uh, you know, a team of men, all with the one uh, vision, the one mm. direction, can always beat any champion.
1: Yep. Bloody oath. And, well, Richmond, you're obviously a champion there and you um, no, I
0: wasn't. I was a good, ordinary player. We had five or six champions. One of them was Kevin Sheedy. The yeah. other one was Kevin Barth. The other one was Royce Hart. Then you look at Francis Burke. They are all in teams of the century.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Blokes like myself and Graham Bond and Graham Berg and the rest of these guys that have dual premierships, are we're good, ordinary players, and we just make up the puzzle. And you're only as strong as your weakest link. But I also concede to you I'm pretty good at fishing.
1: Yep. <laughs> I think we could all agree on that. Uh, was your best footy at St. Gilda, Rexy? Nah. No.
0: No, nah, my best football was uh, at Geelong. Geelong? When I was a career policeman. Uh, I swapped for Gareth Andrews halfway through the season and ran fifth in the Brownlow Medal with uh, equal fifth was Lee Matthews and, uh, and Francis Burke. There's no doubt about the 15 games I played with Geelong mm. in 1974 uh, were the best, the best years of my life did okay at some kill. I had a year, I kicked 50 goals. and had another year where I was run out to Trevor Barker and the best in Paris. But that one year at Geelong, mm-hmm. 1974, uh, when I went down there to further my career in the police department, uh, which turned out to be not a waste of time, but it turned out I didn't need that uh, uh, those qualifications. But there's no doubt about it, when I was vice-captain to Sam Newman in 1974, uh, that we we were just uh, a lethal combination I was a centre-half forward. The bloke by the name of Michael Turner, has just retired from the Geelong Falcons, one of the best uh, the best uh, recognition, ex- recognition ex- experts of, of young talent. Mm. Uh, he was playing on the wing where his father forged a great career at Geelong. And he would put the ball out, out in front of me. And I can remember one uh, one year, which was 74, uh, at North Melbourne, when North Melbourne were going to play in the grand final against Richmond in the last or second last game, uh, we we murdered them, and we were nearly on the bottom of the ladder. And uh, Michael Turner just put the ball out in front of me, and Malcolm Blight just couldn't get anywhere near me. And it's the only the only way is to to put the ball out in front of someone. And the other thing I can tell you and your listeners is don't take your space before the ball arrives. Mm-hmm. And I see so many folks doing it now. This chip, 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 chip business. You can still kick it long, but but leave a space. Get out of the space and let someone run in it.
1: When the ball and you arrive at the same time, it's a legal combination. Mm-hmm. Rexy, you mentioned you're a policeman during your playing time. Do you, do you think if you're if you're a full-time footballer now, do you think you would have preferred that, or did you like the way footy was played back then when they had uh, jobs as well as playing footy?
0: Yeah, I, look, uh, an opinion is neither right nor wrong, Jimmy. Mm. And my opinion is. I think we're we're in a bit of trouble with blokes getting $800,000 a year and they can't fill out an application for a official licence because the manager's got to do this and the manager's got to do that and you've got to take the uh, you know uh, pay the girl to make the bed or pay the bloke to take your, your, your clothes to the dry cleaner. Um, I just don't know about 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, full-time footballers. The money is fantastic. But as I said to a group of people before the COVID locked us down at a school, I said, once... The last tree is felled. Um, the the ocean netted all the fish, and uh, there was something else in there. Will you realise you can't eat money. Mm. And I uh, I just look back and just say, in the sixty nine premiership, uh, I got twenty dollars plus a bonus. Uh, the bonus was five bucks, uh, twenty five bucks for the for winning the flag on that day. Mm. And in seventy three, my second premiership, I got thirty five dollars. Uh, plus seven dollars from the Coterie, so I got forty-two bucks. And uh, so, so that you know, it's all it's all relative. But
2: yeah.
0: no, I, I worry about full-time sports people. And uh, the AFL have done a great job of keeping the game alive, like the NRL and, and the thoroughbred Racing. But uh, I just think uh, I think it's nice to have an apprenticeship or do a course in accounting or something like that. But mm-hmm. that's just my opinion, which is neither right nor wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's just my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Your fishing shows across uh, obviously were broadcast across the world. Uh, Rexy. you're a very famous man. Where, where was the strangest place you were recognised? I think I've heard a few stories where you recognised overseas. In Europe, was it?
0: Yeah. Um, walking down the main street of Prague, which <laughs> is the capital of the Czech Republic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'd been there just uh, to launch uh, my television program uh, through Sky Channel over there. Yeah. And this was uh, early 2000s. And uh, I was walking through the, the, the city square, and a young uh, a young kid came racing up with me, and he, he'd come away from his mother and father. He said, "Are you Rex Hunt?" I said, "Pardon?" He said, "My dad said that you're Rex Hunt." I said, "Which is your dad?" He pointed. I said, "I'll give the thumbs up to the bloke." He said, "So you used to be Rex Hunt." And I just thought, Jesus, how good is that? So that's, uh, you know, uh, 20,000 kilometres. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the next year we we went to England to launch the Rex Hunt Fan Club in Mall or Paul Mall or wherever it is, just mm. near Buckingham Palace and it's near uh, Harrods. And uh, I sent him a message, we're having an afternoon off because we'd caught some Beautiful carp in the Thames, and and did a, a lovely show uh, with uh, I think it was Surrey and Botham. It was with Surrey and mm-hmm. Botham. and uh, we, uh, we were walking across the zebra crossing uh, in uh, Oxford Street. I think it is. In, in our, you listeners know where it is with mm-hmm. with uh, with Harrods, and um, I said to me mates, "says What do you want to I'd like to have the famous morning tea at Harrods. I went in there, and uh, the morning uh, the morning tea consisted of half a dozen. Uh, Belgium Belgium Uh, might have been Denmark oysters grown Mm. in in aquaculture I had a piece of shortbread and my missus finished it off with a lovely jam and scone and she had a cup of English breakfast tea and I had a a very weak white cappuccino Mm. and I got a bill for 127 pounds which in today's currency is about 250 bucks and I tell you what I just thought Jeez, this, uh, this so, so we're walking out again across the in The London Bobby is directing traffic across the uh, Zebra Crossing. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, yabba dabba do, gub <laughs> I said, it's yibbity-yibbity, you idiot. <laughs> and I just uh, looked at my missus, and she's just shaking her head, saying we are 22,000 kilometres from uh, our home in metropolitan Melbourne, and they're recognising you. And then i just like to pick you up for one. I, 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 I question the word famous. Yeah. And I try to teach kids, you're not famous, you're just Mm well-known. And there's nothing special about me. All I did was at 28 years of age, after being shot at in the police force, after being uh, a witness to a horrific uh, suicide and and the smell of burning flesh when the car hit the tram, I went home and I never went back because I didn't want to deal with people's misfortunes. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? And I want people to listen to this. What do I love? What's my passion in life besides my, my family? It is fishing and football and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you just when you work at something that's your passion, it's not work. You're on 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 call twenty four hours a day.
1: Something you were well known for was also your, your unique style of commentary, the nicknames Yablet the Cranium, McGoff Whitlam, Rich Man. Not a wellman. How, how did you develop that unique style of commentating? You said you, you listened to Jack Dyer um, back in the day, but when you were younger as well, did you develop that kind of unique style? Or did you want to bring something to the game that was unique? Uh, the, answer,
2: the answer to that is I don't know.
0: No. It just, just unfolded. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what the evolved means? Yeah. <laughs> it evolved, young man. Yeah. Um, I knew when I took over from Harry Bitesell at 3AW in 1989, Harry had, had 21 years. And I said, the only way I'm going to survive more than three or four years and threaten Harry's record, which I broke uh, in in the year 2000, um, the only way that I'm going to threaten his record is that I'm unique Mm -hmm. and I back myself with my style and not be a puppet or a mimicker of Jack Dyer or Harry Mm Beitzel. And when I first came on, the people, they just couldn't believe it. They just said, who is this idiot? And then we broke all types of records, um... In the radio ratings, when, when when there was no internet, no mobile phones, and uh, it, it it just just evolved along with the cranium and, and, and yablet and uh, the golf ball was all sporting mm. and uh, my you know my goodness me they, they just came to me and yeah. uh, I never ever prepared for anything. It's just absolutely what I do and what I do now on late night radio. And mm. uh, the thing about it is, some people will like it, some people won't. But if they don't like it, there's a button on most devices, Jimmy, yeah. that you can actually press that says off. Yeah. And uh, if, if you if, if you do that, uh, you can actually just get rid of me. And it's not F off, it, but, but that's what it means. It, uh, you press that button and I'll F off. Mm-hmm. If you like it, well, stay tuned. Uh, expect to be entertained. And more importantly, I can't guarantee the first time you'll listen to me that I'll offend you. But I'll I guarantee that I'll eventually, <laughs> one day, get to you and offend you.
1: Yeah. Um, are we still on air? We still are, we still are. Is that not just a warm-up, is it? <laughs> the, um, the fat lady, Rex. The fat, so you said most of it was off the cuff. Can you explain the story of the fat lady and when that first came yeah, out? Again. Yeah,
0: um, So Collingwood Essendon, hmm. it may well have been... Uh, the second or third, but they were all magnificent uh, contests. And Ron Barassi and, and John William Noel Newman, Acker Sam Newman were the special comments men. And Ron Barassi, just special comments. You want to talk about special comments. Uh, Graham Bond on the stats and Shane Healy calling with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ball went down on the left half forward flank and Peter Moore's got it and hand it over the top to Dacos. Here comes Mullane, and Ron, Mullane's kicked the goal, and I think it's over. And Ron Beretti said, Well, don't be a smart-ass, Rex, because it's not over till the fat lady sings. And I said, Well, Ron, this is for you. golden labrador's just here chat it's all right bro. it's all right yes i can have your bone all-
2: we'll be back after a quick break
1: Jimmy, oh, oh that, was that was the best. That was the best. We still on the air. We're still here, mate. We're still here. Put on you, mate. Oh, that's great. That's great. There's oh, not. It there's, n- it. there's not much character-based or extravagant commentary these days, which I think is a shame. Do you reckon there's still room for it in modern broadcasting, or or, or do you think it's no, I changed? Don't. No, it's I, changed. No, I don't, because people
2: get offended about everything.
1: Mm. You
0: know, if, if they tune in, um, if they tune in. You, you, you know people will find fault with everybody. Yeah. But I can tell you, Jimmy, once people find fault with you, they're listening to you or looking at you, and the other thing is when you totally alienate them or totally eradicate them from your mind, you have found the greatest gift of all, and that's not mattering a rat's toss what people think or say about you. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've made an absolute fortune out of what people think about me. But the thing about it is what really, really, really gets up their goat and gives them an itchy backside is the fact that I've just signed another two-year deal with 3AW at 71 years of age. Yes. And uh, and that's it. And uh, when uh, when the fat lady sings for me, mate, it, it'll be over and uh, the Tobins uh, probably uh, will come and, uh, and pick me up straight away from 3AW and take me out to the funeral home and... Uh, I deserve a nice discount from James
2: Tobin because I made him famous by calling 3LO the Tobins, which was mm-hmm. Peter
0: Booth and Tim Lane. And uh, the ironic thing now is Tim Lane is the chief football caller for 3AW. And goodness gracious me, that I would have wanted, probably
2: in betting parlance, about mm. 5,000 to 1 for that happen. <laughs>
1: yeah. Why is that?
0: Tim was prim and proper at the ABC,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and
0: now he's understood that he's, his longevity would, uh, actually relies on entertaining people, and he's a very entertaining caller. But I. Can we keep something to ourselves, uh, yeah. Jimmy?
1: Yeah, we can. We can. I
0: don't want this to get back to Tim Lane. It won't. But no. I would think that together with. Shane McGinnis at 3OW and Bruce Eva that he's probably the best caller going around and if he rings you and says can I get a copy of that and say <laughs> no, we've, we've erased it, can you do me a deal on I'll that?
1: I'll do that, no worries mate, deal uh,
0: So the Tobin Brothers uh, uh, sponsor my late night program and uh, they are, are absolutely fantastic but on a serious note before you ask me the next question or you might want to give me the flick no way. a Let's serious note yep. is that James Tobin, I call him James Tobin, James McLeod, the managing director of the Tobins, during this absolute horrible times worldwide in the pandemic, the amount of young people, and, and, and not that old people don't matter, but the amount of young people between 20 and 40 years of age that end up in his funeral home through taking their own life is absolute crying shame. And I say to people out there, Why would I be qualified to talk about that? Well, I can tell you I've been there. Mm -hmm. And I was hooked on pain killers. And I ended up for for 14 days, 14 days in in a high-security psychiatric unit at Tarelgan. And uh, I I, I had my neck done, I had my back done, and eight weeks ago I had my, my hip done, and it took away every bit of pain that I've got. Um, save for a little ache, uh, you know, that I've got below the knee. And uh, I shudder to think on that cold September morning two years ago when I drove down to the, the San Remo area and uh, and the coppers arrested me and wrapped me in a straitjacket and I was uh, all but gone, all but cooked. And I can tell you I didn't have the guts to go through with it. So don't anyone out there say, oh, they're gutless and that sort of thing. I tell you what, it takes a lot of guts to, to, to end it. And and if if you see someone who's struggling, just talk to them. All you need is recognition. It's a bit heavy, Jimmy, but mm. I reckon the only reason I'm doing this, or I know the only reason I'm doing this, is when someone in the high profile that I have has been there and someone out there listening who is... Uh, they might tune into this podcast now at three in the morning and they might just be start thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do and, uh, and and how I'm going to do it, is that it's not over till it's over. And as Ron said, till the fat lady sings, uh, life is precious. But I tell you now, you, uh, you find out who your friends are and uh, you find out you've got a lot of acquaintances, particularly around finals time when they look at the tickets. Uh, but why I talk so openly about it, is not to receive any publicity is not to receive any accolades and, uh, or poor me or that sort of thing. It's to give hope, uh, to somebody who might be in the dark place that I've been in, might be in the deep hole that I was in and might not be able to get out without a bit of a help from my friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think Joe Cocker sang about that, didn't
1: he? He did sing that. And I appreciate you, you opening up and talking about that, Rex, because you have inspired a lot of people. And that's what people said to me when I told them I was interviewing you. They said he's been very inspirational, especially over the last couple of years when you've been open about your struggles. So I think that's great and I, I appreciate you going into that.
0: Everyone's had horrid times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we've lost two very close uh, members of our family on the inside to taking their own life. Mm. And I just don't want people to go through what we went through. Uh And and you never get over it. Every day it's with you. Mm -hmm. You know, every day, um, you know, a white ute with a tradie going to Bunnings when it's open. I think of Stephen every night that something comes on the television. uh, And and there's a young disc jockey there at one of the nightclubs. And he's playing all the music for the the boys and girls all dressed up and having a fantastic time like we all do at discos and i think of aaron and Mm -hmm. it never goes away Mm -hmm. but i uh, the the quote that i gave you earlier on i had to really put it up in front of my uh office and when i walk upstairs to have a shower once you reach the stage in your life where you don't give a rat's toss about what people say or think about you, you have reached the pinnacle of life that very, very very, very few people enjoy, and I hope that came out all right.
1: Yeah. I love that, Rexy.
0: If you start thinking about what people think about you, what people say about you, you might as well just wind it up now and sit in the sun Mm -hmm. uh, because you're just wasting your time. Uh, Along the way you'll get setbacks. And it's not how you celebrate victory. Here's another one for you. It's mm-hmm. not how you celebrate victory. It's how you come back after being knocked down. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think it was Muhammad Ali who said, get knocked down nine times, but
1: get up ten. Mm-hmm. How, how are we going? We're still on air? We're still going well, Rexy. I've got a couple oh, yeah. more for you, mate. Uh, I'm going to mention, I'm going to throw a name at you, and you tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Can we do that?
0: Well... Uh... Yes, because I've just uh, been in touch with my solicitors. And uh, (laughs) if if anyone sues me, um, all they'll get is uh, an old rusty crane that is sitting over the top of my pond, so they can't get my house. Go ahead. All right.
1: Ron Barassi.
0: Inspirational. Centric. Yep. An absolute dynamo on and off the football field. One of the most loyal human beings you would ever come across in a month of Sundays.
1: Brilliant. Sam Newman.
0: Misunderstood because he's made millions out of being misunderstood. Sam is like me, a tadpole short of a swamp. But when the shit it's the fan, Sam will be there. With John William Noel Newman, there are no conditions in his friendship Code of Rules.
1: Robert Walls.
0: A delightful man who, after the 1972 grand final, wished that I, uh, I wished that he would have diarrhea for a month (laughs) because although I kicked, uh, although I kept him to seven kicks, he kicked six goals (laughs) one. Then he came to 3AW in the late 90s and worked with me after Sam Newman went to Triple M and the footy show. Even as late as last night, Robert Walls rang Lynn and I to see how we uh, we were. Mm. And when this COVID business is over, we're going up to Dalesford and uh, sitting by the lake and having a low-calorie doughnut and a cup of coffee. Brilliant. Robert Walls, um, a man, if you had to go to war, you wouldn't mind him taking the pins out of your grenades.
1: <laughs> Love it. All right, two more. Uh, Anthony Hudson
0: a man of 46 years of age who is the opposite to Brad Pitt in the film where Brad Pitt started old and went young. I think Anthony Hudson's actually got that disease. When he was 23 and he worked with me at 3OW before he went to SEN, FG, and he went to Channel 10, he was 23. I saw him on the television the other night, and Anthony looks nineteen. <laughs> so whatever he's taking, can you organise a kilo as my feet for today, young man? I will.
1: I'll try and do that, mate. A
0: delightful young man, and I enjoy I enjoy listening to his commentary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, uh, a very very nice man. And I I think I think he thinks I'm different. But uh, uh, Jimmy, I hope Anthony doesn't take this the wrong way. And if he does. Well, Stiff Bananas. Mm-hmm. Anthony, you're a star and I love you.
1: <laughs> Last one, mate. Clinton Gribus.
0: Brings tears to my eyes and a flutter and what hair I've got on the back of my neck stands up mm-hmm. for two reasons. Struck down in the prime of his life, uh, in love with Loretta, planning a marriage, Foxtel, number one at 3AW with me, I can still go back to early February. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but anyhow. I got a phone call at 11 o'clock in the morning. I was getting ready to go to the Sandown races, and Lynn was upstairs, and Rachel was doing her hair, and it was one of the two-year-old classics uh, leading up to the Blue Diamond at Caulfield the next month. And the phone rang, and it was Graham Mop, the general manager of 3AW, and he said... Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, Rex, I'm at clinton uh, uh apartment next door to Foxtel, and the Tobin brothers are here and they've just removed Clinton's body. Well, I screamed, mm. and Rachel came running down the stairs and said, what's up? And I said, Graham, I'll ring you back. And Lynn came down, and uh, I, I I've never recovered from it mm. because I... I've got that big question, why? People say, oh, i got cancer. Why me? Well, things happen. Just but, uh, uh, The early signs of cancer, just just a little sore or a little pain, go and see about it. Mm-hmm. But there was no warning. And why Clinton? Because that's life. Um, I think the coroner's court has still got a jury out uh, uh, result. They don't know what he died of. They, they speculate sleepwalking and hit his head, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I uh, on that particular day the driver's family uh, lost a delightful young man and the football and sporting community and he was at, he was at, at, at his best on air uh, uh, broadcasting football. He was at his best broadcasting a 100metre sprint at the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, and mm. he was at his best broadcasting title fights on Fox Health. But he was also at his best when I got into some trouble and people know exactly what I'm talking about. He said, just ring me at 11 o'clock at night and just say, how are you, big fella? Just stick in there. Yeah. You know, the, the storm is, uh, is going to be pretty heavy. But, but eventually you'll wake up one morning and uh, the sea was calm. And, uh, and you know when I saw that wind in the last couple of days and rains, I woke up this morning before I got the dog and headed down the beach, uh, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the sea was calm." So there you are. I don't know whether anybody will get anything out of this, but play it like one or two times. So there's, there's a few
1: lessons there. Rexy, what I normally do with my guests is I end off with uh, ten quick-fire questions. So very quick answers. So we get a little bit about you. All right? No, I can't do that. But just to make it eleven, will you? All right, eleven. Can Can you we... Make it eleven. I'll make it eleven. All right. Oh, well, it's in the, it's in the contract. If you, read the, if you read my contract, it's just got no ten questions. It Everyone has to be that eleven. I need 11. Yeah, All that's right, true. So just... Rack your brain now, Jimmy, about the eleven. I oh, will do. All right, your favourite food? Uh, well, it's
0: it's it's tonight. It's a fillet steak with an egg on top, with beans and uh, mashed potatoes.
1: Okay, good. What would you prefer, Saturday watching Sandringham or a Saturday fishing? Because I know you uh, love both. a lot of people ask me that, young man. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: what do you prefer,
0: fishing or football? Why would you want to go and watch watch football? When you could go out here in Port Phillip Bay and catch a lovely sand flathead, Mm -hmm. a lovely long nose flathead, a beautiful garfish, a snapper, or preferably a Chinese fish, a (laughs) Y-ting.
1: Your favourite player of all time.
0: Uh, A lot of people would say that I'd probably say Gary Ablett on the radio. Mm -hmm. But my favourite player of all time, I played with him in 1971. Uh, There's a bloke called Ian Stewart who won two Brownlow medals at uh, Muramun. He won a Brownlow medal in 1971 when he wasn't well and he wasn't fit. And 1971 was the best year I'd ever had at Richmond in the seven years I was there. I was runner-up to the best and fairest and he beat me by 100 votes. So Ian Stewart, I believe, is the best player I've played with and I've seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Your favourite quote, and you got a few, but which one's your favourite, do you reckon?
0: I reckon there's two. If I can I have two?
1: Yeah, you can have two. I'll give you two.
0: One one my father said to me when I was ten years of age and I woke up Christmas morning, nineteen fifty nine, and usually on the end of the bed there was a not a stocking but a pillar slip. It had some licorice all sorts in it. a uh, pair of socks, pair of underpants. On this particular morning at first light as the sun broke through uh, the half-open curtain, I, 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 I got straight to the end of the bed on Christmas morning and there was Jack Jack Shizen there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I went racing into my old man who uh, was just getting out of bed to uh, tie up a, uh, a pair of cross uh, tomato plants that had gone skew whip on one of the stakes. I said, Dad, I said, Father, Christmas didn't come. You didn't call him Santa. Mm-hmm. Father, Christmas, he said, son. He said, I want you to remember this till the day you die. He said, "Blessed is he who expecteth nothing, for he is rarely disappointed." And if you, if you just break that down, it's if you expect nothing and you get Jack Sergeant, Jimmy, mm-hmm. how can you be disappointed? That's right. But if you expect the world and get Mud Island, well, then you can be disappointed. Again. The other one came from Pearl Harbor. Theodore Roosevelt said to his Congress after the Japs bombed Pearl Harbor. And my old man was in the Second World War and he was at Fanny Bay um, when it was bombed by the Japs. And uh, fortunately, you know, they didn't go on with it. It isn't amazing that my old man was at Fanny Bay, but I'll leave that to go through to the keeper. But anyhow, um, Theodore Roosevelt, they were going to boot him out. They said, no, you can't go and bomb uh, uh, Japan. And uh, we said, we must retaliate and retaliate quickly. Ron Brassie taught me that. The only uh, time I played for Victoria in 1970-something and he just said, you, you get one, you get one back quick away. And he stood up mm. and he said this when he said, you might dismiss me. You might just think that my ideas are too far forward for you people sitting in your cushioned chairs. But let me make one thing clear in case there is any confusion from any point of this office. Ah, better it is to dare mighty and impossible things, even checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor souls that neither know victory nor defeat. Theirs is the grey twilight known as mediocrity. Have a go and damn the consequences." Now, what do you think about that? I love it. I just made it
1: up. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what are we up to? Number four? Five. Your favourite movie, Rex? Shank Redemption. Cool. Are you a morning or night person? Night. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be?
0: Yeah, Beach Road, Boe Morris, overlooking the bay. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, it would be somewhere oh, new so. for me to, to, to live because I've only lived here for 50 years.
1: <laughs> Who will win the 2020 Grand Final?
0: If Richmond are fed income, mm-hmm. if the Tigers are fed income, it's theirs for the taking. But we know, just like us in 72, that on the day you can get an upset. Mm-hmm. If Richmond are not 100% right, either Brisbane or Geelong will wipe the floor with them. Mm-hmm. The side that I'm really confused about, and I don't know whether they're ready is Port Adelaide. Mm. I would think that Port Adelaide will will finish on top and and the thing about it is is that then they will get a home final. Then they'll get a week off. Then they play in a preliminary final and then in a fortnight's time they will go to South Queensland at Brisbane and play off in the grand final. All points to Port Adelaide. Mm. But what Richmond have got on their side, young man, is experience. Because there's a quote again, I shall pass by this way but once. Any good I can show to anybody, let me show it now for I shall not pass this way again. And I say to the group at Richmond, from the club doctor to the raffle ticket seller, down to Jack Greenblock, down to Dusty, down to Cochin, you are at Pump Road. This is a window, a window of opportunity. You'll never get this group of people again on the field. Make it make it happen. Mm-hmm. When I go to the MCG, and we won't be this year, when I go to the MCG on the Wednesday before the grand final, and we sit there, all of us premiership players, all life members of the Richmond Football Club, 50 years down the track, I tell you what, it's the second best thing a man can enjoy uh, standing up. The what? first thing that man can enjoy standing up.
1: <laughs> What's that?
0: Uh, catching a King George whiting, you dirty bastard!
1: <laughs> All right, two more are on a roll here. If you're in charge, uh, how many, how many have we done? We've done eight. No, oh, we've got so three more, three more, three more. My apologies. If you're in charge of putting together the best ever AFL broadcast team, who would be in it? Who's your dream team?
0: The dream team would be number one caller, me. Mm-hmm. Number two caller, me. <laughs> Special comments, me.
2: Yep.
0: Assistant special comments, me. Mm. And the stats, Bondi. <laughs> because Bondi used to get my
1: party pies at half time. Now, sh- ask me that question again. If you're in charge of putting together the best AFL broadcast team, who would be in it?
0: You're talking about radio.
1: Radio. Radio, correct.
0: Number one caller and coordinator to make the whole... Machine runs smoothly with not too much lubrication or oil. Number one caller, me. Mm -hmm. Number two caller, Clinton Mm Gribas. Special comments number one, John William Noel Newman. Special comments number two, Robert Cyril (laughs) Farquhar-Walls. Stats, Graham Bond. And serving the afternoon tea at halftime, Jennifer Hawkins. That... If we ever put together that uh, that commentary team, mate, uh, uh, what chance do you reckon uh, that we've got from Jennifer just popping onto a
1: private jet and coming down and serving the big fella a party pie? I reckon you've time. got a good chance, a very good chance if the Dream Team gets together. I reckon got about as much
0: chance as Ivan Malat had of being in charge of the Cubs.
1: Uh, what's your greatest accomplishment, Rexy?
0: Um, surviving the last five
2: years. Yep, that's because fair. I was too pig-headed to cry
0: for help when I when the pain was just excruciating. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I can say to inspire people out there is that. Herbert Vincent Butler was my headmaster at Maudialli High School when I spent the best three years of my life. You know the best three years of my life when they were, Jimmy? When's that? Year nine. Mm -hmm. I spent three years there. And last year, I liked the school that much, I bought it. And uh, Herbert Butler, who played 37 games for Carl, he's a terrific bloke, and he believed in me. And he called me into his office. He said, what do you want to do with yourself, huh?" I said, I want to be a fisherman and a footballer, sir. And preferably a football broadcaster. He said, well, as long as your backside points to the ground, uh, you'll never make a living out of fishing and you'll never make a, a living out of football broadcasting because you're not good enough and you've just got to admit it. You've got to get a, an apprenticeship, uh, be a chippy or a plumber or something like that. My greatest accomplishment is proving people like that, that I had it in me, despite the fact that, that they didn't. And, and the secret to life is belief. Belief in yourself, self-belief. And once you combine that with the greatest, the second greatest thing known to man and womankind, it's self-confidence in that you can do anything. Mm. But Muhammad Ali said it all. it knocked down nine times, but you get up ten. And you're always in front. And uh, people can Google me and carry on. You'll see a couple of times there where people said, ah, we've got him. And it got back to me a few years ago that uh, the editor of, uh, of a major newspaper here in Melbourne was heard to say over a cup of tea, you can't kill this bastard with a sledgehammer. And uh, it gets back to Roosevelt. You know, dare mighty and impossible things even check, check it by its failure. Don't take rank with those poor souls that neither suffer nor enjoy much. Theirs is the great twilight known as mediocrity. Have a go and damn the consequences. The biggest thing I can say to old people, middle-aged people and young people, have a go. Mm -hmm. Get knocked down nine. Get up ten. And I tell you what, I'll just repeat uh, before you come with question number 11. I've got a question for you after 11. Can I ask it?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: The other thing is, is, is don't. Don't underestimate when you finally rid yourself of worrying what people think and say about you because once you do that, you have found what life is all about when you don't give a rat's toss. And even better with me, I don't give three rat's tosses. Mm -hmm. Do you know what a rat's toss is? No,
1: I don't even know. I just made it up. What's what's press number 10 and then 11? We've, We've done number 10. That was your greatest accomplishment. Number 11 is... Was today a waste of time for you, or were you happy to come on?
0: Well, happy is a very, very big word <laughs> in, in my vocabulary. Yeah, Celebrated 49 years' marriage the other day. Kevin Sheedy introduced us, and, or, and we're happily married. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm happy, and Lynn's married. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just the way it was. So happy to come on certainly wasn't a waste of time, because you know what? amongst all of the compost that I've dished up today uh, the people out there I know someone, even one person will get the message Mm -hmm. and if I've inspired someone to get off their backside and to do what they want to do and be what they want to be without worrying about what people think that I've done my job and if I've inspired someone to don't look at the negatives don't take the easy way out to go and talk to somebody about your problems and what doubts you've got, that will be it. Was it a waste of time? Absolutely not. Is that it?
1: That's it. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you, Rexy. You're a chair, mate. See ya.